You're listening to episode 32 of the Journey to Launch podcast, discussing marriage, kids, and money, plus the BuzzFeed effect. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 everyone. It's Jamila Souffrant. Welcome back to the Journey to Launch podcast. If you're listening to this in real time, it's Valentine's Day. This episode gets released on February 14th. So it's the day for love, according to the marketers. <laughs> While I'm not necessarily one that buys into all the hoopla of what society and marketers tell us we should be celebrating, Nonetheless, it's a holiday that I do actually acknowledge, especially because I have kids. And so any day that I can make special for them is cute. And of course, I have a husband. You guys know that, right? I'm married. (laughs) So Valentine's Day, while the older I get, it's not as important in our lives as when we were in our 20s and dating. It's still a day of love. So happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for listening Whether you're listening today or days later, hope you're having or had a wonderful day. This episode, I'm actually going to be talking to Andy Hill of the Marriage, Kids and Money blog. And I thought this was an appropriate episode, especially for today, because Andy has some really, really good tips and lessons himself on how he and his wife have financially gotten the same page, pay off debt and really, really have been making huge strides in their finances. So we'll get into that a bit. If you want any of the show notes for this episode, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 32 to get links to anything that I discuss. Also, I did a couple other episodes that dealt with relationships and money. And so if you want to listen to those, I suggest also after you listen to this one, if you're just in the mood of, How can I talk to my partner about finances or love and money? Definitely check these out. So one episode was episode 18, where I spoke to Elle Martinez about how couples can get on the same page financially. She's from the Couple Money podcast and blog, an excellent resource for couples who want to get on the same page. Also, I had my own husband, so Woody came on the podcast and we discussed how we got on the same financial page how we went from not being intentional to saving and investing all the money we started to save and invest over the last two years. And people love that episode because they get to hear just a real conversation with my husband and I, and he was so much fun to record with. And so that's episode 20, if you want to go back and listen to that. So that's episode 18 for L Martinez. So journeytolaunch.com slash episode 18. Or if you want to hear the chat with my husband, go to journeytolaunch.com episode 20. Some things I want to talk about at the end of this is that the Journey to Launch podcast got listed as one of 27 podcasts that you should be listening to in 2018 from BuzzFeed. How crazy is that? Like, I can't believe it. And so I'm super excited that that happens. I want to talk a little bit about how that came about and then kind of the after effects so far of what I've been seeing from it. But I won't bog you down in the beginning of this. Let's get straight into the content. 
with Andy Hill. First, let me give you a little background on Andy, our guest today from the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast and blog. He's married with two kids, and here are just some of the major accomplishments he's been able to do with his family. One was pay off $48,000 of debt in one year. The other was becoming completely debt-free, including the mortgage in less than four years. How amazing is that? And so we're going to hop into all that great information with Andy. Plus, just talk about how can you better have these conversations with your partner? How can you reach your financial goals with your partner? And listen, even if you are not married and if you're just dating or maybe you are just not even dating seriously yet, but you're out there, you're looking. I think podcast conversations, information like this is super important to understand and get in your head now. So that way, when the time comes, you're ready to discuss it. If you are listening and loving the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe if you listen to it in Apple Podcasts. If you do not listen in Apple Podcasts, no big deal. Just share this with your friends. Text it to your friends. Put it on your social media. This really helps the podcast get more out there. I'm really looking to grow and gain more visibility this year. And so anything where you can share what you've been loving with the podcast with someone you care about would be amazing. Also, if you want to connect more, you can follow me on social media as Journey to Launch. That's Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And come on over and join the Facebook community. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash community, or just go to Facebook, type in Journey to Launch, and the group will come up that way. It's a perfect way to connect a bit more with each other. So without further ado, let's hop into this amazing conversation with Andy. Hey everyone, I am so excited to have Andy Hill on the podcast from the Marriage, Kids, and Money blog and podcast. Hi Andy, how are you doing? I am great. Thanks so much for having me, Jamila. Sure. So tell everyone who you are and what you're about. My name is Andy Hill. I am lucky enough to be married to a beautiful woman and awesome, fun wife named Nicole. And we've got two little kids, Zoe and Calvin. And I have started a podcast and blog, as you said, mostly focused on how I can give those three the best life possible. And as I'm seeking this journey and trying to figure out what it is that I want to do with my life and helping my family be the best they can be, I'm also helping others in the same fashion through the... And that's what I really like about your podcast and platform is that it's so based on family and how families can deal with finances and work together because when people are not on the same page, when the parents are not on the same page or there is no plan, it causes a stress on the relationships and it's not helpful for either the adult or the kids. I completely agree. And I've been lucky enough to find a woman that we've been able to be on the same page for the majority of our marriage. Obviously, we have fights here and there as they come up as any marriage does. But overall, we've worked really closely together on our finances and the things that we're really excited about in our lives and thinking about the goals and dreams we have for our family and working on those together. So I've been very blessed to meet this woman. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds lovely. So let's jump into one of the biggest headlines that when I was reading through your blog, I was like, oh my goodness, it really excited me and I wanted to talk to you, is that you just recently paid off your mortgage. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Just last month, we've just paid off the last payment on our 15-year mortgage. So yeah, we're very excited about that. Okay. So I definitely want to get into that. So that big accomplishment and then walk backwards because 
you had to start your journey, your financial journey somewhere. And I'm sure talking to your wife, getting her on board, or maybe you didn't have to get her on board, just whatever it took for you guys to come to this point where you now are debt free without a mortgage is amazing. So let's just start with the mortgage. How did you do that? And can you give us some specifics around numbers and really dive deep into that? Yeah. It all started really back in about 2010. My wife and I got married and we were double income, no kids. We were living it up and having a really great life. Not really worried too much about tomorrow. We were living for today. And that's okay when you're young and you're just trying to figure things out. At that point with our double income, no kids, we thought we were rich. Together, we were making six figures and really enjoying life. And one night we were flipping through the TV and we found this show, the Susie Orman show. If you've ever heard of Susie Orman, she's pretty popular. She has this show during one of the segments. It's called Susie, How Am I Doing? And part of that is to reveal your net worth. So my wife and I were watching this and very intrigued. And as people spill their beans on the show and tell everybody what their net worth is. So it kind of got us intrigued to understand what our net worth was. So we started to investigate a little bit about that because we didn't really even know what that meant. And lo and behold, we weren't rich. We were kind of broke, actually. <laughs> Even though we were making six figures together combined in our marriage, we had a negative $50,000 net worth. We owed more than we owned. And at that point, we really thought, hey, man, we should probably make some change in our lives before we start thinking about having kids. Because at that point, we started to think about it. And when you're married and you're with no children, it's easy to think about yourselves. But once children start to come into the picture, the story changes a little bit. So at that point, we wanted to make some major changes in our lives. And at that point, we had about $50,000 in consumer debt. And it was mostly for me, really. I had carried a lot of student loan debt into the marriage, a little bit of a home equity line of credit using the house as an ATM. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then my wife had a car that we decided at that point that we wanted to pay off and she had a loan. So at that point, we wanted to make some major changes. And Working together as a couple, we started to do that together. And that sort of parlayed our story into the mortgage as well. But with the debt payoff, we had that about $50,000 built up. And we said, hey, well, what can we do to really get rid of this in a year? And given the fact that we both had good incomes together, we said, well, what if we lived just on my income and then we saved yours? And around that time in 2011, we started to say, hey, what can we do just to kind of live on 50 and then spend 50 or save 50 and, and spend 50? From that point on, from 2011, it's really kind of been our motto in our marriage. And we were able to pay off that $50,000 within 12 months. So that was sort of kickstarting us into the mortgage. Okay. So let me just jump right in. How old were you guys? How long ago? Well, it was 2010 when we were having those conversations. So we got married in 2010. That would have been 28. You guys were 28, living life as a married couple, making a lot of money together. And then you see the Susie Orman piece and you're just like, wait a second, maybe we're not doing as well as we think we're doing. And you decide to you know, figure out what you owe and how you can pay it off. So what changes? You paid off $50,000 in one year. I know you said you lived off one income, but how? Like, What are the things that you did to cut back on or do differently to make that happen? We had been uh, just not really intentionally allocating our money at that point. We, we'd just been spending it, not really having a care for where it went. So one big change that we had is that we started to live on a monthly budget. Originally, both of us weren't too excited about it, but we saw very quickly the change and the control that we were able to have by 
writing down our numbers and keeping track each month. And back then we did just an Excel spreadsheet. And after going through and reading some books, Susie Orman was kind of our gateway drug. And then the second one was Dave Ramsey, read Total Money Makeover and took his course, Financial Peace University, a great mentor and resource for getting rid of debt. And it was a big, big change for us at that point. So one of the pieces of the pie was living on a budget together. So every month since then, we get together on the first of the month and we have what we've called the budget party. (laughs) (laughs) Originally, it was just sort of a tricky way for me to get my wife to sit down and do a budget with me by giving it a really neat name like budget party. But we added some things in there like ordering pizza, having beer, sitting down and create an event out of it. So we would look at our expenses from the previous month and then look at our plan for the current month and then also think about our goals and dreams. And that really kept us motivated. So that was one major piece of the puzzle that helped us to really make some change in that one year. And then really living on that one income helped us to really clobber this pretty fast. I definitely can relate to your story so much because when I talk about how much my husband and I saved in 2016, the 85000 The previous years, we were nowhere near close to that number. And it really was about just being intentional and setting up the budget and making our priority, our savings and investing. And so I totally get where you guys had that pivotal moment too about just, you know what, it's time to be intentional. And what I really like is the concept of you guys living on one income, because I find often nowadays, especially if there are two parents in the household that the baked in expenses, so the expenses that they sometimes can't even get rid of, like, you know, whether it's the mortgage or rent, the expenses are so high, they need the two incomes. So it makes it almost sometimes seemingly impossible to live off one income for a lot of people because it just seems like, wait a second, but we need both incomes to survive. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, when you think about the sacrifice there, it's like, oh man, it's going to be really tough for us to scale back because we're used to it. Right. But if you really think about sacrifice, we're living in probably the one of the most privileged countries in the world. So if you think about really sacrificing, quote unquote, I really don't feel like we gave up that much to make it happen. We're blessed to have a double income with no kids at that point. So really scaling back, we had to look at the things that we were really spending on, going out to dinners, having drinks with friends, going to concerts, things like that. These were all entertainment wants, not necessary needs. And so if you really think about the ability to do that, it's totally doable. At least it was for us. You guys were also ready. You guys were mentally ready to make that change. And you did it at a perfect time. You did it before you had kids. A lot of people, they sometimes come to this realization after they have kids. So it makes it a little bit harder to adjust. Absolutely. Yep. Now you have no consumer debt. You just have the mortgage that you are working on to pay off. That's right. Yeah. And the fall of 2011, at that point, we had paid off all of our consumer debt and we were kind of hooked at that point. We said, well, we've been living on half of our income and spending and having fun with the other half. What if we just kept doing that and really made a dent in our mortgage? So at that point, (laughs) we were living in my bachelor pad that my wife begrudgingly moved into when we got married. (laughs) So she and I both had a desire to upgrade our home eventually as we started to have kids. And once we brought our little Zoe into the world in 2012, we started to, instead of paying down our mortgage at that point, we started just to pile up some money to buy our next home. So we started saving kind of like crazy for a while for about two years after we paid off the mortgage and ended up buying our next home. 
with a pretty sizable down payment, about 40% down in order to buy our dream home in late 2013. So at that point, we had made a big down payment and I was fine living in the bachelor pad just because I could probably live in a cardboard box. But my wife was very interested in moving into this nice neighborhood with great schools, a little bit more room as we started to grow our family from two to three and eventually four. I'm so glad we did make the move eventually. She's always got the great ideas. (laughs) (laughs) At that point, I was kind of hesitant to getting the house. So I said, well, sweetheart, maybe we can make a compromise. We'll go for the big house as long as you're down with getting rid of this mortgage in less than five years. And at the time, it might have seemed kind of radical based on what we were doing. But since we were already used to living on half of our income, it was something once we crunched the numbers that we were able to do on paper, at least pretty easily. So I live in New York City. And I'm just thinking about the prices of homes here. And my listeners, they're listening from all over the place. But where did you guys live? We live in the Metro Detroit area maybe 20, 30 minutes north of Detroit. I want to point out some of the factors here because for anyone listening, the last thing I want anyone to do is write off what you've been able to accomplish. But I think that it's important just to note that, yes, maybe the price points for where you bought were more reasonable than for some people. So in New York, if you want to buy anything here now, it's kind of ridiculous. It would almost take someone years and years to save unless they were really, really making a lot, a lot of money. So what's like a 2,000 square foot home where you are? Oh my gosh. Where I live now, I would say maybe like 700, 800. Yeah. What about you? When we bought ours, it was about 350. So for something similar. I mean, that makes sense. It's New York City, baby. So. (laughs) Yeah. But it's crazy because it's all relative too, right? Yeah. So you guys still had to work hard and work with your incomes to make that happen. But I just think that's so amazing. You guys made this plan to aggressively pay off your mortgage in five years. Yes. Did that require even more budgeting, more crackdown on what you were doing? Absolutely. It required a lot of partnership. We continued to do some of the things that worked well for us before that point. We still met each month and did our budget parties and got together and planned each one of our months. As opposed to our first house or my bachelor pad, this time we got a 15-year mortgage That way, we could get a much lower interest rate. At that point, it was just 3%, which is really great. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As opposed to a 30-year, which was quoted at the time around 4%, not too much different. But the difference of having the 15-year is that you pay a ton less interest to the bank over time, and it forces you to make those larger principal payments. And we kind of wanted it to force us a little bit, because if you have the 30-year you have the flexibility to be like, well, I'll put a little bit more principal this month or maybe next month, just depending on the months goes. We didn't want to give ourselves the option, I guess we'll say. That was one of the things that we did as well. And outside of the 15-year and doing the budget together, I got a new job at that point. And as opposed to my job before that, I got paid 26 times per year as opposed to the typical 24 times where you'd get every two weeks as opposed to twice a month. So we just sort of pretended that I only got paid 24 times a year. And we use those extra two paychecks to throw that at the mortgage every month. So we made a lot of extra payments to really beat this thing down on top of the 15 year. So those were some of the things that we did to clobber it in a fast fashion. But in this time, you guys were having your kids. So how did you keep the cost of living down while still having kids? That's a great point. I guess it really depends on how you see kids coming into the picture. Sometimes people think, hey, kids are really expensive. 
for us, the things that were expensive in our lives before that were the entertainment and the socializing. And once we had two small kids, we didn't do a lot of entertaining and socializing <laughs> anymore. We didn't go out to as many dinners. We didn't go out with friends as much. I miss going to concerts as much as I do. But if I go to a concert on a Monday night right now and have to change diapers the next morning, it's just really not the same. So our socializing went down a little bit as we had some kids. But one major change that happened in 2014 is that we went from the double income that we had then to a single income when our second child came into the world and we decided, hey, Nicole is interested in being a stay-at-home mom. So let's figure out how we can do this. And again, we made some more adjustments to make it work. So you probably saved obviously a lot on daycare that you would have otherwise paid because that is one of the biggest expenses. Absolutely. In raising kids, it's just finding childcare. If you have to work, you have to then pay for that. Yeah. At the point when we were going to make that decision for her to stay at home, Nicole had gone part time by that point. So as we started to look into daycares and the cost, it was decently comparable to what she was bringing home anyway. And she was excited about staying home with the kids and liked her job enough, liked the people she worked with. But at the end of the day, she wanted the ability to have this opportunity to be with her kids. And some days she loves it. And then other days she's banging her head against the wall, just looking for an adult to talk to. <laughs> mm-hmm. But overall, we're, we're very happy with the decision we made. And you guys are almost like you were preparing for this because living off of that one income for so long, you knew that you could survive. We did. And then by the time she made that change, our extra principal payments started to slow down a little bit, we'll say, just because living on one income at that point, even though we were able to scale back, made it difficult for us to have the accelerated pace that we had originally when we were paying down the mortgage in the first couple of years. Your story is definitely, for me at least, is inspirational because paying down and paying off the mortgage is one of the biggest things for us. I would like to do that as quickly as possible. But of course, again, we live in New York, so we have a plan. We just refinanced also into a 15-year mortgage just to force ourselves into those extra payments. So it sounds like there wasn't much friction for you two to work together. And it wasn't that much friction for myself either and my husband. I mean, there were definitely a lot of conversations because I'm the one that brought the idea to him about this whole financial independence and paying off the mortgage. So what about the people who are listening that their spouse or significant other is just totally oblivious or not on board? What are some of the things they should start doing so that they can get on the same page and make some of these amazing movements themselves? I would say that I did make some mistakes in the beginning when I was talking to my wife about getting on board with this. I mean, you and I are both blessed to have some great spouses, right? But our spouses don't have podcasts about personal finance. So they're not as excited about it as you and I are probably. Mm -hmm. But when we started to talk about making some changes and changing our family tree and doing something kind of nuts like this, that's not normal. We had some discussions in the beginning about why we should do this. Originally, I got all excited and said, Hey, honey, I've read some books about personal finance and I need you to sell your car and we're going to live on a budget. How does that sound to you? That didn't go over very well. But once I learned that maybe I needed to speak her language a little bit about the things that she was excited about in life, it worked out a lot better. Like, hey, sweetheart, wouldn't it feel great to travel each year guilt free without debt? Wouldn't it be great if eventually you could stay at home with our children in the future? Wouldn't it be great? if, et cetera, et cetera. What works well for you and your spouse? What gets her excited or him excited about the future? And then I guess if you don't know what might excite them about the future, ask them. I'm positive they'd love to tell you. 
because that's the fun part about being in a marriage is dreaming together and figuring out what your goals are and working on them together because that really excited us at least. That's great advice. Speak in their language and to really see what they're excited about. I like that. And you know, and if that doesn't work, that's okay too. You could always lead by example. I'm sure you've probably done a little bit of this too, Jamila, where you get really excited about something, whether it's healthy living or personal finance or even spiritual things in your life or hobbies that you're interested in. If you lead by example, this works a lot for anything in life. People will see your excitement about it and then jump on board. So sometimes that can help for people as well. I agree. And also because I had a conversation with my husband on the podcast. And one of the things that he mentioned why he definitely got behind me and was so supportive is because he saw the excitement and he saw how confident I was in this plan. So it's almost like my excitement for it and my dedication and having all my numbers and me just having this passion for it really got him excited and really gave him comfort to know that, okay, this is not just something she's just making up This is really something she's been thinking about and I really want to get on board. So I do believe, yes, you lead by example. You show that this is important to you, but you're also patient. Absolutely. You can't expect that they also just come to this realization just because you have. That's a really good point. And if you get upset or frustrated because they're not on board right away, that's not a great way to bring them on board with you. (laughs) Patience. (laughs) That's a really good point. You guys now, you do not have a mortgage. So your wife still stays at home? Yes, she does. Our daughter is about to turn six in February and our son is three years old. My wife is having some fun testing out some side hustles that she likes to play with right now. She's very into minimalism and helping people to design and organize their homes. And so she's playing around with some side hustles right now and finding some things that she's passionate about. And I'm supporting her just like she's supporting me with my small business development as well. But right now she's growing that. And in a couple of years, when both the kids are full time and kindergarten, she might consider going back full time as well right now. But uh, right now she's just investigating some things that she's passionate about, which is great. Because you're like on the other side now of the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> you have no mortgage, no debt. What's the plan? What's the goal for your family? We're really excited about the fact that we have no debt in our lives. And for the past couple of weeks, it's just been a shocking realization of what's available for us, right? We've started to play around with our budget after November happened and realized we had this month an extra almost $2,000 to play with. So we look at it in our budget and we say, well, what do we want to do with this? What do we want to do? Do we want to give more? Do we want to invest more? Do we want to help our kids to potentially have the opportunity to go to college student debt free? I think what we're responding to ourselves is that yes, yes, and yes, all of these things. But what we're really excited about from a family business thing is we're going to start to save our money to do rental properties. And my wife is very interested in the design side of things. I'm very interested in the small business management side of things. So we're very excited about investigating that for our future and also the other things we mentioned. So we're going to start to add to our kids' 529 accounts. We're going to start being bigger givers to our community, and we're also going to have a little bit more fun. We're going to go on some more vacations and uh, really enjoy life together as a family. Now that our kids are getting older and have the ability to go on vacations and maybe remember them, we're going to be doing some fun things together as a family. So we're really excited about it. That sounds awesome. And it's good that you brought up the kids a bit about planning with them because 
The next thing I wanted to talk to you about is just how you are managing or how you are teaching your kids about finances that you have one post on your site talking about you don't believe in allowances. Can you just go into that a bit? Yeah, sure. So I had the opportunity to write an article as part of our little fun blogger community challenging us to come up with concepts that meant a lot to us. And one of them was teaching our kids about personal finance. And my daughter's only five. She's going to be six in February. But I've read and heard from a lot of the people in our community that it's never too early to start. And I found that over the past year where I've been working with Zoe to correlate contributing to the family and then correlating that with a reward. So at a young age, I found that she actually attached to the subject pretty well. So every Saturday morning, we have three chores that we ask Zoe to do. And for each of those chores that she completes, she'll get a dollar for each one of those. And we have been contributing to different jars in her room. One is spend, one is save, and one is give. Each dollar that she earns goes into each one of those. And the ability for her to contribute to the family, get the reward, and then see her utilize that money and spend it in ways that she's excited about is really helping her to understand that, yes, if I help out the family, I get something out of that. I get a reward. And not only does she get the monetary reward, I go above and beyond and I give her so much praise and let her know how proud I am of her every time she completes it. So she gets a big hug from dad. She gets me looking directly in her eyes, telling her how proud I am that she cares about the family like she does. And we do this every week. And she's also a really big fan of YouTube kids. It's YouTube's version of kid shows. Oh, is she obsessed with Ryan too? Because my son is obsessed with Ryan TV. Oh my God. Ryan TV. I think we're going to have to look this one up. She likes the family fun pack. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. (laughs) Okay. Well, she's a little bit older, so maybe that's why. But my three-year-old is obsessed with Ryan. Oh my gosh. But yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We'll have to check that one out. Maybe Calvin would like that. He's our three-year-old. Oh, don't, don't. Don't do it? Stop. (laughs) Well, actually, just to interject, this is a little off topic, but in terms of side hustles and money, there was an article recently that this YouTube channel, Ryan's TV, Ryan's Tour Review, he made $11 million. Oh, my God. This year. So it's very profitable. It's an interesting topic, too, because she watches it and she gets really excited. She goes off into the corner and looks in her mirror and starts to rehearse what her YouTube show would be like in the mirror. She finishes off saying, hey, everybody, make sure you leave comments in the comments below and give me a like. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's so interested in it. Maybe I should be more cautious or scared of her eventually wanting to do this on her own. But I think it's great. I think that's kind of where it's going in the future, where you have to create a personal brand for yourself and develop something. And if she wants to be an entrepreneur early on in her life, I'm all about it. I obviously want to protect her and make sure that we're doing it safe and she's doing it alongside her dad. But I mean, I think it's fantastic what some of these young people are doing. It's amazing. Yeah. And just with that, teaching them that entrepreneurial spirit, even if they don't want to do that full time or, but even just as a kid, like giving them that responsibility, having them work on a project that they're excited about and giving them tasks to do outside of school. School's not the only place that our kids will learn. And in school, they don't teach our kids most of the foundational stuff they should know about personal finance and business. So I feel like something like that, if you see your child has an interest in something, it's like, why not encourage that? Because you never know that could turn into something where they won't need to take out student loans because, you know, they'll be making more money than you, right? 
Absolutely. And for that kid to make $11 million in an early portion of his life, I mean, it's going to completely change their family tree because he's been so successful. That's incredible. And I love that you gave concrete examples that you have the three jars. Yeah. I like that. But it's about also showing her that she's bringing value to the family, how proud you are of her. So she gets that internal gratification because you're instilling that in her. Absolutely. And, and, you know, a big part of it is the giving side of things. So we do all three of those jars, right? And she's able to buy her little Shopkins with her spend jar or she wants to save up for a hatch and all these things are crazy. You're like $60. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the jars is giving and she was able to save up quite a bit of money over the past three months. And she had accumulated about $20 in that jar. And I was so excited for her. And I said, sweetheart, we're getting to a point of the holidays and a big part of using your give jar is giving back. So One of the organizations that my wife and I like to contribute to is World Vision. We have adopted a child for each of our kids. One of them has Zoe's birthday and the other has Calvin's birthday. So that on their individual birthdays, we remind our children that there are other folks out there in the world that do not have the privileges that we do in our country. And we spend some time making gifts for them on their birthday. Inside World Vision, there's an opportunity to give to other folks that are having difficult situations. And one of the things that we saw on the website was the fact that Zoe could utilize her $20 to buy mosquito nets for families in Africa that are being affected by malaria. And she was able to really understand after we talked through a little bit of this, what's happening over there and the privileges that she has. She was able to really grasp that earning the money that she did through her chores could actually help save lives. And once she made that connection, it was sort of a wild eureka moment for this almost six-year-old that by contributing to her family and receiving an award for it, that she could literally save lives. That was a really proud moment for me as a father. That sounds amazing. You're instilling some great values. My kids are still pretty young, but those are some of the things I'm definitely going to start doing when they can start to really grasp that. I think that's amazing advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and hear your podcast? Well, you could go to marriagekidsandmoney.com at that website. I've got a blog as well as a podcast that you can connect to. And on the podcast, I'm on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anything that you can find a podcast. And I really appreciate connecting with you, Jamila. I'm so glad that we can connect tonight. Yeah, this is awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Andy. Thank you. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Andy. And I hope you can pull out some things, some tips, tools that you can use in your own life. Remember, I really do like this to be an actionable podcast where you get tips that you actually use in your real life to improve it. So think about that. Think about what you like what you think you can apply to improve your own financial life with your partner. Again, if you want the episode show notes, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 32. Now I wanted to talk a little bit about the BuzzFeed article and how that came about because a lot of you guys, you might be listening to this because you found out about me through BuzzFeed or you're longtime listeners and you were just excited (laughs) as I was that I was featured in BuzzFeed. So let me tell you how that happened. So one day, I believe it was on Twitter or one of the social media sites, I saw a post saying that, hey, BuzzFeed is looking for relatively new podcasts that more people should know about. 
And if you're interested, submit that podcast. But the rule was you couldn't submit your own podcast. So I couldn't go in, write on this blog post or email the person at BuzzFeed saying, hey, check out Journey to Launch. My listeners had to do it or people that knew me had to submit it for me. And I was like, okay, let me just ask my audience if they do that. And so I think on Twitter, I just retweeted it like, hey, who wants to nominate me or nominate Journey to Launch for this article? And then I also went to my Facebook group and asked. I sent a text message to a few of my close friends and I believe I made Instagram stories and that was it. And honestly, I wasn't really expecting much to come out of it because I know BuzzFeed is a huge huge platform. And I knew they were going to get probably thousands and thousands of people submitting podcasts that they liked. But I was like, hey, why not shoot my shot and see what happens? And then what's crazy is I ended up making a list. I found out because one of my best friends, who's also my biz bestie. So we're best friends in real life. We've known each other since we were like six years old. And she has her own business now. She's your career girl. So Durian St. Floor of Your Career Girl her podcast was also submitted because she has a podcast called Deeper Than Work, all about career advancement. And what's crazy is she wrote me and she said, oh my God, Jamila, we both made the list. (laughs) So how crazy is that? So when we went and we looked, so she told me that I was on the list. I went and I found out and I'm like, oh my gosh. So she was number 25 listed. I was number 27. And what's even crazier is the quote or the person that they used to say, okay, this is why we picked her. Other than I'm sure that the person who wrote the article, they had to probably listen to all these podcasts, right? Because I'm sure they're not just going to pick a random podcast without listening to it first. So the person they picked as a quote was actually my other best friend that I've known forever. Also, they picked Shalia. So Shalia, my best friend, they picked her as the quote to use of why my podcast was so great crazy how this huge platform who probably got thousands and thousands of submissions selected not only me but selected my best friend also on this and then my other best friend they chose her quote as why the podcast was so good how crazy is that and no we don't know anyone at BuzzFeed in that way where we put a word in and that happened it's just crazy there's a quote about luck it says the harder you work the more you put into it the luckier you get I'm not going to chalk all things that have been happening to me and the visibility and these great mentions to luck because you guys know if you listen to especially the last podcast, the birthday podcast, I put a lot of work into making this a great show. But there is something to be said for the more you put out there, the more energy you put into it, things occur for you or things fold out for you. And that's what's been happening to me. So since that feature, I've been seeing more downloads. This is the most exciting. I actually got listed again on the Apple podcast top business podcast list. And so I'd made that list before. Now they don't notify you when you get on this top 200 list, but sometimes I just randomly go in and check. So I didn't know I made it a few months ago and I think I was at like number 160 something when I first made the list, but the list changes almost every couple hours. And so you can't really depend on it and you're not always going to go check it. Right. When I said, oh, wow, like this BuzzFeed thing, let me see if I made the list. And turns out that I made the list of top 200 business podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And it was hovering at like 46. It's at 46 now, but it went all the way to 39 at one point. So 39 of all these amazing podcasts. My podcast was listed. 
So thank you so much for everyone who nominated me to the list. You guys are amazing. You're awesome. I really appreciate it. This was such an amazing gift and experience. Who knows what also, again, comes from this. And so I'm really excited about the possibilities because this year for me is about being fearless, which means putting myself out there more, which means visibility, which means sharing more of myself, getting more in front of people, having more people hear my work. So if you want to see the complete list of podcasts that BuzzFeed said you should check out for this year, it will be in the show notes for this episode at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 32. Once again, thank you so much for joining me on this amazing journey. This year is going to be an amazing one. I can feel it already. So thanks for being here. From the beginning, you guys are really witnessing something that in a couple of years we'll look back and say, wow, like I really started from here. This is amazing. So thank you for being here. If you like the podcast and you're listening to it in Apple Podcasts, please go rate, review and subscribe. Leave that review. I read every review. Sometimes I read the reviews at the end of the show. So you never know when you might hear your review being read if you leave one. So thank you in advance for that. And as I said, don't worry if you don't listen to Apple Podcasts. There are a million ways where you can listen to the podcast. YouTube, SoundCloud, even though SoundCloud doesn't have all my latest episodes, but Stitcher, you name it, iHeartRadio. So really just wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find this and share it out with your friends and family. Follow me on social media. I love when you guys send screenshots and you post things that you like about the episode and you DM me with your encouragement and your words. And again, want to connect more? Join me at journeytolaunch.com slash community to join the private Facebook group. And this is big. If you really want to not miss a thing, get on my weekly email list at journeytolaunch.com slash join. The next couple episodes are going to be some really good ones. I'm bringing on some amazing ladies who have a lot to share. So don't miss out. I will speak to you next week. 